You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. All right, Tommy is here today. Aaron is here. This show is presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them we told you to call. Jimmy Patsos is going to jump on with us uh, in a little bit to talk NBA playoffs. The Warriors won again. We'll talk about the Wizards GM situation with him as well. Plus, he's been out in Chicago where you got all the NBA camp stuff uh, going on. Um, I do want to get to the Reuben Foster thing, and we'll do that quickly. But, Tommy, the Warriors advanced to their fifth straight NBA Finals, and no team in the NBA has done that since the team that you followed, I think, you know, one of the teams you followed in the late 50s and 60s, the (laughs) Celtics, who went to 10 in a row, first team in sports to go to five straight finals since the Islanders in the 80s. Now, LeBron went to, you know, whatever it was, but with multiple teams. Yes, and different um, different cast of characters. Exactly. But these Warriors, um, there's something else. Yeah, look, they, again, I mean, uh, I reckon... They're just shooting it, I know, I, but look, they're pretty damn good. They're pretty good at it. Look, they're, they're not winning any of these without Draymond Green. And so and good. Green is is really... I mean, while while Curry is, is the juice... Uh, Draymond Green is the meat of the team. I mean, he's the guy that 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 allows them to pretty much play the way they want to play, like that. And as as crazy as he may be, I, you know, I don't necessarily describe to the idea of having a crazy man on your team, but I take him on my team. Oh yeah, and, uh, that that guy because he knows basketball <clears throat> too. And he, not only does he know basketball, he knows winning basketball, yes. and he impacts the result for his team as much as any player in the league. I totally agree with you on that. And look, I think they'd be in the midst of a potential fifth straight championship if he had not been I think booted you're right. from game six, out of game five and then right. four game and six. And you know what? I think he's a mature, more mature player now than he was. Did then. you see the quote that he had the other day um, in no. the New York Times story? Um, he basically, hold on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it because I want to read it to you uh, verbatim. But he, he essentially said that he I can't find it right now. I'm looking through my notes because I had it in okay, yesterday's but you, show. But, you can but, but, but but the paraphrasing of it was this was something that was disgusting to watch. I, I understand that. Um, he had help from his, his mother and his fiance said, you got to stop doing that. It's hurting your team. He's recognized that it's hurt his team in the past and he's focused and dialed in now on just playing. Now, that's great. They've won six games in a row, yeah, yeah. you know, and they're winning. I'd like to see what happens to them if they start getting terrible calls and they yeah, start when, losing when, games. When you're desperate, what do you do when you're desperate? But he's a great player. Yeah, he is. He's an and, and, and they're, great player. They're one of the all-time great teams, and Steve Kerr has to be considered one of the all-time great NBA coaches. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. The um, Last night, they rallied from a 17-point deficit. It's the third straight game where they've come back against the Blazers from 17 or more down. ESPN had this stat last night. I saw it on Twitter. The Blazers are the first team in two decades to lose three games in which they led by more than 15 points in a a playoff series. The Warriors have now won six in a row without Durant. Actually, five and a half to be exact. Um, And now they await... More likely than not, Milwaukee. That's my guess. I'm rooting for Toronto. I think, I think Milwaukee. Um, but they, they'll they have to wait 10 days. The NBA Finals don't start until May yeah. 30th. 
But the number one question in the NBA right now, and one of the number top two or three questions in sports right now, is do the Warriors even need Kevin Durant? This is this is this is going to be the legacy of this championship. Uh, and you know, are they better off without Kevin Durant? Is a different argument than do they need Kevin Durant it, to win a championship? Two different questions. Yes. Yeah. Nobody would argue that they're a better team. With, without well, Kevin Durant. Well, that's not true either. They're two separate questions, but some people would argue that they are a better team without Kevin Durant. That Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson, they're playing in the way that they played in 2015 and 2016 with more movement, with more ball movement, and it's a different Warriors attack. Maybe no less effective with Durant, but it's different. Some would argue that the Warriors are better, better without him. I, I think that's a tough argument to make, but it's clear that they didn't need him to get to the NBA Finals. No. That's not debatable right. anymore. They didn't need Kevin Durant to get out of the West and advance to the NBA Finals. And, and for Kevin Durant, this is not a good storyline. This is a terrible storyline. Well, especially for, his for somebody legacy. so sensitive. Yes. I mean, I, I mentioned last week imagine if the Warriors went on a run without him and won a title without him. How many fake Twitter accounts do you think he'd oh start to gosh. defend himself? I mean, he will be the most uh, scrutinized passenger on a title that you'll ever see. He'll have another ring, but he won't have earned it. Well, I mean, he, he's been one. That stretch to start the playoffs was an incredible stretch. I get that. I get that. You know, that. the Clippers won two. I, what's interesting, the Clippers won two games against the Warriors, all right, in that series. And the Rockets ended up winning two games in this series. I wonder if Durant hadn't even been on the team to begin the postseason, if they ha would have lost four games combined to the Clippers and the Rockets. Like the way they played against Portland, which was a team that a lot of people thought had a chance to win the Western Conference yes. uh, playoffs this year, especially when the seeding broke the way that it broke. A lot of people liked him. Not everybody liked him. Somebody like Barkley loved him. Um, Wilbon loved him, um, Portland. But I wonder if they would – I think they may have lost fewer games You know, on the way to the finals. You, you can make that case. And uh, all I can say is that if Kevin Durant was worried about – you know, look, he didn't have a championship until he went to Golden State. So he went to Golden State to win a championship. So he's done that. But – uh, you know, his legacy as a great player is now called into question as one of the greatest players, not a great player. He's a great player as one of the greatest players of his time. You know, maybe one of the top two or top three is called into question by uh, what his teammates are doing without him. The um, the players, the Warriors say all the right things. You know, I don't know if you've heard Steph and Draymond and Clay Thompson say all the right things about, no, we're much better with Durant. We need we need our brother back. They say it about Boogie Cousins, and Cousins barely even yeah. you know contributed this year. Last night, they didn't have Iguodala in the game, and they won that game. He was out last night. Um, so they say all the right things because they are a class outfit and a winning outfit. This is... This is really, I mean, we're in the midst of a, a true dynasty, oh, a absolutely. true sports dynasty. Yeah. And it would be amazing if they went on to win. The, 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 to answer the question about whether or not they can beat Milwaukee in the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant, I think they can. I don't know if they will. It's a tough question because Milwaukee, 
really has more than, say, Cleveland had. I know they had Kyrie and LeBron the year that Cleveland won it when Draymond Green got suspended. But Milwaukee's got a lot of pieces, and they've got some depth. And they got they got and, eight, and, and eight, they, guy, eight guys on that. And team they've got a they really unique on. player. I'm not trying to put him in the class yet of what LeBron was, um, but I I think they can beat Milwaukee. I think it's crazy. Like I was listening this morning, um, Coach Tibbs was on with uh, on the Greenberg show and said uh, they need Durant to beat Milwaukee. And a lot of coaches, and I've heard I've heard them say this that they have to have Durant to beat Milwaukee. I don't know if I buy that completely. You'll know, you'll know that in the first game. Um, Milwaukee will have home court advantage right. in that series. Uh, so, and it's, you know, we're back to the old, old format, your format of the 2-2-1-1-1, not the 2-3-2 anymore. But uh, it may not be Milwaukee. I think it's going to be Milwaukee. I would love to see Toronto win tonight. I really enjoy watching Toronto play and, and Kawhi Leonard play. One one quick last word on the Blazers. I really thought, and I know Lillard was hurt in this series, that he wasn't 100%. I really thought that they got out coached. Um, not that that doesn't happen a lot with Kerr and with the high IQ players yeah. that the Warriors have. But man, um, Stotts just didn't figure out quickly enough how to handle the way Golden State was defending Lillard in particular. And they figured it out a little bit last night with this guy, Myers Leonard, who was the guy that was setting all the ball screens that led to double teams, and he just kept firing threes. He had 25 in the first half for Portland last night. It was a career high he had in the first half of the game last night. Um, but it was actually, you know, for a sweep, it was a fairly entertaining, you know, quick, well, four game. Anytime you have a team that comes from behind fifteen points yep. every game, yeah. it's going to be entertaining. Seventeen, even though it's expected in the NBA, you don't expect it in the NBA uh, conference finals. I agree. Um, all right, let's get to Reuben Foster. Uh, the reports on Reuben Foster are that he's got a torn ACL and potentially something even worse. Yes, there could be some artery damage. Yeah, J.P. Finley and I think NBC Sports Washington reported that uh, a non-contact injury to a player that they took you know, a gamble on back in November, a player with a ton of talent, um, but the team won't get to see him in 2019 um, at this point based on what, and, what we know. And probably never. Uh, and Yeah, maybe never. Maybe, maybe never. Maybe never because of health reasons. Yes. Um, you know, the my take on the OTAs, uh, and I've said this over the years, um, and I mentioned it yesterday again, is – you make them mandatory, and because you and you have people show up, they're paying these guys a lot of money. You have them show up, and by the way, if they're not going to make them mandatory, I just don't think they should have them. You know, at this point, um, but you can get hurt just as easily in a mini camp or a training camp practice or a regular season practice as you can in an OTA. Like people saying, "Well, that's that's why you you shouldn't have OTAs." What are you talking about? That that, that it was a non-contact injury, a fluke, could happen. In any other situation, I guess he did land on Tyler Catalina's foot, and and so that there's some contact there. But anyway, um, Reuben Foster's gone, and Tommy, you know, we're not going to rehash the past in terms of what we both thought and we both agreed with each other on when they signed him. He he is a talent; like he had the potential to really add something to this defense. And now at inside linebacker, you've got Mason Foster. And you've got Sean Dion Hamilton. And they drafted the guy from North Carolina in the fifth round. Um, but this is, 
you know, a position without Zach Brown. It's a position of of weakness potentially once again. I liked Sean Dion Hamilton um, last year. Cole Holcomb was the guy I was thinking of for North Carolina, um, the fifth round pick. But um, they, they they will be without Reuben Foster, and of course we're getting all the dis- discussion about curses and everything else from Redskin fans. Okay, well, first of all, when I when I talk about the aura of self destruction. I mean exactly that, self-destruction. This is not self-destruction. This is, this, is, this is circumstances beyond your control, pretty much. There's, and there's no curse. There's no karma here. Nobody deserved this. I mean, I just, that just doesn't exist. <clears throat> Those things don't exist. Okay? So, I mean, look, this guy got hurt on, on a fluke situation. And it se- you know why it seems like the Redskins are cursed? Because they inflict so much damage of their own that when it's not them, you just assume you just, it's them. You just <laughs> assume you just assume. Oh my God, the Redskins! It's the Redskins again, you know. But this is something that could happen to to a lot of teams in a lot of situations. I agree with you that these things, if you're going to have them, they should be mandatory. You know, I thought it was interesting that uh, his teammates, Trent Williams, Monte Nicholson. Uh, Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis, uh, Adrian Peterson, and Josh Norman weren't there to support their teammate, Reuben Foster, because they decided not to show up for the OTA. And you know who else wasn't there? One of the Alabama teammates, Deron Payne. I thought these Alabama guys stuck <clears throat> together. You know, so uh, Deron Payne wasn't there to watch his Alabama teammate go down in, in, a, in a crumble on the field to support them. So I'm wondering how these guys feel either not being there thinking, oh, you know, this is a bad look for me. I wasn't there, uh, you know, to, to help uh, Reuben Foster, the Redskins, uh, you know, uh, big brother project. Uh, but on the other <laughs> okay, hand. So you're, you're moving into, uh, go ahead. On the other hand, they're probably thinking, boy, I'm glad I wasn't there. That could have been me. Um. So this is the portion of the sports talk show calendar where we talk about players who decided to skip OTAs. Yes. You know, it wouldn't be a conversation, by the way, if the Redskins were an actual winning team, you know, but they very obviously are not. Um, I've mentioned this in the past. The Redskins, and I, I haven't done the research this year, but I've done it in years past. They've been consistently um, in a group of teams in the division anyway uh, where most of their supposed, many of their supposed team leaders just skip OTAs. Yeah, this like, has been like a, Trent Williams, <clears throat> like Trent Williams, who has um, his own workout program. That um, we're, I'm sure, at some point soon, we will read a story sometime between now and training camp about this great workout program that Trent Williams has. It's an annual thing. Yes, we read about it all the time, right. and he gets hurt. Every single year. Yeah, it does seem to, to end that way, although he does play very well. Yes, he does, <clears throat> and he plays through pain. Right. I'm, I'm just pointing out that, uh, you know, either, either, you're, either you're on the team or you're not. So, um, look, you, you can send the list of players that have missed OTAs. I, I see it. I know Brady missed OTAs last year, some of the OTAs, and and and, and we we do understand that they are voluntary per the CBA. Yes. We, we, that is that's understood. Um, we're not talking about something that we don't know anything about. But what I'm just wait, telling you. Yeah. What, what if nobody showed up? Yeah. Well, what what if ten players right. came? Well, to, see, to, to what showed it, up at the here's bubble what yesterday. It's, here's, here's what it's a reflection of. 
It's a reflection. You think whatever you want, but it's a reflection of the coaching staff. The coaches in this organization over the Gruden era, anyway, um, just haven't emphasized the connection between working hard and winning. Remember last year when DJ Swearinger ripped the team's practice habits, the lack of discipline ripped all of that continuously. A all, couple of weeks. All of that. All of this goes together, okay, with the results. You know, I know OTAs are voluntary. I get it, and Trent Williams has been great over the years. But you know, Gruden said something yesterday that I thought was really interesting, and I'll, I'll put it in the proper context because it would be unfair for me not to. It was on the heels of the Reuben Foster injury, and it was part of talking about all the injuries. You know, the Redskins have just been devastated by injuries over the last two years. Fact, by the way, I, I get it, and it has contributed to the losing. Yes, the last two years. Um, but he said, "quote You know." Sometimes I wish we'd just do all walkthroughs and then go play on Sundays, but we've got to practice. Closed quote. Jay's a really good guy with the best of intentions. All right. He he is. And and but would anybody out there describe him as relentless in the pursuit of winning? Would anybody describe him as a disciplinarian? It took him seven warnings. To DJ Swearinger before to tell him to stop mouthing off to the media about <laughs> coaches and teammates before he did anything about it. He's a good guy. I like him personally. He's an average coach with, by the way, less than average results. One playoff game in five years. One. So we can we can totally blow off this OTA conversation every year. But, you know, what else are we going to talk about? It's <laughs> the middle of May, and they're, they're practicing. You know what we, we could have talked about? We could have talked about how good Dwayne Haskins looked. I, I, I wasn't there to yeah, see but, it. Yeah, but, but the reports from the Haskin and Haskins network said that he, he looked really good. <laughs> the H&H network? Yeah, the H&H network said that he looked like it was obvious. Him and Case in a, Keenum. In, a, in an OTA si- day? Si- side by side. There's no doubt who's going to be the starting quarterback. All you had to do was look at him. Uh, back to your p- players that didn't show up. Because Trent Williams, once again, it's typical for him. And, and you can say Trent Williams always performs, but to your point, Trent Williams isn't always healthy. Um, but, you know, there is some benefit. Don't, don't try to slough it off as if, you know, your team captain and your team leader blowing off OTAs isn't something that probably the coaches aren't thrilled about. Because with all of the young offensive linemen that they've had to plug and play in the last few years, it probably wouldn't hurt if they had Trent time. Yes. You know, it, it, it couldn't hurt, you know. and You know, I think, I think the problem was he might have been off celebrating the news that the NFLPA and the NFL are going to do a joint study on the use marijuana. of mar- on marijuana. Maybe he was celebrating mm-hmm. that news. Yeah, well, maybe he was. Let's hope he wasn't celebrating with <laughs> marijuana because the next one is, is, I think the next one is a season. Yes, it is. It's either eight games or a season. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Trent Williams is a supposed team leader. I personally think it'd be better if he were at o- if, if he were at OTAs. Do I think it's the difference between winning three games and and thirteen games? No, I, I'm not going to exaggerate it. I would just tell you I, I, definitively that the coaches that Jay and Bill Callahan would rather he have been there and would rather he show up for these than not show up. But again, there's not that 
feeling among the players that hey, the coach wants me to be here. I better be here. There's and, no there. You know, it's it's Gruden has used this word, and every coach in town has used this word, and it's one of the great words now in sports. Everybody uses it. Gruden uses it only occasionally, but here's what you don't see. A sense of urgency. <laughs> it's one of your favorite things. Yes. By the way, that was like four years ago you were talking about. This is the No, new no, thing that, in... that was chip on the shoulder four <laughs> chip years ago. Chip on the shoulder, okay. This is not, then that's been replaced with a sense of urgency. I, I'm just telling you right now that there is no sense of urgency, and there is no feeling among the players, I got to show up for Jay. I got to show up for Bill. I got to show up for Greg Minuski. There's not that feeling. And they, they, come on. I mean, we're not we're not talking about something that we all don't feel intuitively. This is not a disciplined organization. It's not a disciplined coaching staff. It's not an urgent. I got to do whatever I can do for coach because I love him so much. Because we got to win. We haven't won anything here ever. So in in their in their era. Um, there was no Josh Norman there, you yeah. know, no Josh Norman, no Jordan Reed. Uh, by the way, plenty of players injured um, yesterday that were there. This may have come as a surprise to some of you. I knew that there was a bit of an issue. I didn't realize it would hold him out this early. But, you know, the six-year, $84 million man that can't keep his mouth shut here over the last couple of weeks, Landon Collins. Oh, yeah. You know, he's recovering from a shoulder injury. So, uh, Jay said that, you know, he's hopefully going to be ready for training camp. He better be ready for training <laughs> camp. Six years, $84 million. By the way, I mentioned what I mentioned as sort of a, a, a dig because it's true. He did another interview yesterday with Jordan Renan of ESPN. I think he's one of the Giants guys. And once again, I mean, Landon's, you know, he's making the, the PR circuit here recently. Last week, he was promising Super, Super Bowls, Bowls plural, multiple Super plural. Bowls. And yesterday, he's talking uh, with, with Jordan Renan of ESPN, how he's got six years of Giants games circled on his calendar. What about the other 14 games each year? <laughs> you know, he, seriously, what is it? about this place. What is it that you get these guys in everything you, we read about Landon Collins? Great talent, great player, great teammate, and all of that could still be true. But once they get here, there's this feeling that they can pop off and boast and make proclamations in the offseason without any penalty. Yeah, the co- there, nobody stands up in front of them in that room of authority and says None of you have done anything here. Shut up. How about you stop talking about making the Giants pay for letting you walk and actually just go out and make them pay yeah. over the next six years? I hope he does. I mean, the, the talking probably won't prevent him from performing well, but it's just, I, I, don't, I don't get it. I, I know other places have the same issues, but it's the other places that also lose all the time. No Colt McCoy because of injury. Adrian Peterson didn't show up. I don't have a problem with that one, really. I mean, like, Adrian Peterson can show up whenever he wants to show up. Plus, he's playing a position um, that, you know, you, you don't need a ton of work. Um, Quentin Dunbar, by the way, this this nerve issue, they still have, a, a you know, a bit of a concern. And then, then there was the case of Monte Nicholson, who was cleared of all of those charges against him for that incident at 1 Loudon. So he was allowed to be there yesterday. Yes. And he wasn't. Jay Gruden um, said about Monte Nicholson not posting, and the others, too, that were, were, weren't there yesterday. Jay said, quote, we told them 
He said he told the players that were there yesterday. We told them today that this is for your benefit, not ours. You know we're trying to get you better. Some players that choose not to be here, that's their own choice. And I, I was reading that quote, thinking about Monte Nicholson, and I'm like, well, did you tell Monte that? Like, he wasn't there yesterday. Yes. He need, apparently, he needs to know that they're trying to get him better and that it's for their benefit, not the, not the coaching staff. <laughs> but maybe it was just a lack of communication. But seriously, on Nicholson, here's a guy who the team president, okay, made a trade. The coaches were not necessarily clamoring for the trade of HaHa Clinton Dix last year. Just so everybody knows that. We talked about that during the course of the season after the trade. This was this was an, another Bruce trade, all right, for HaHa Clinton Dix. So basically, the team president tried to replace him midseason and did and replaced him. Um, the, the coaching staff, if you've listened to them talk about Monte over the years, and even his teammates, like D'Angelo Hall told me, I think it was when, whenever he was on, Aaron, I think he's been on twice on the podcast twice, but I asked him about it and he said, Monte works hard, he's smart, he's gonna be he's such a talent. And Jay has said he's like Jordan, like he's compared him to Jordan Reed in that unbelievable talent but can't stay healthy. There's an available starting free safety job on this team. And he doesn't show up for the first day of OTAs after all of the offseason issues. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's got a re- good reason, but Jay would have told us. You know, Jay would have said he's got family issues or he had travel-related issues. He's going to be here tomorrow, but Jay didn't say that. Right. So I have no idea why Monte Nicholson. It's certainly bothering. It's bothersome to me because to me, it's so obvious how talented he is. His range, his speed, his closing speed, his length. All of that translates to that position, and, and I know his, he, his punching power must be pretty impressive. Well, too. yeah, I mean, we saw it. Yeah, um, but I maybe it's just not going to work out for Nicholson here. I, I, I'm not trying to come to a conclusion after one missed OTA. Maybe he shows up for the next group of them, um, but I. I was hoping that this guy would, you know, be, feel like he's got a second opportunity here. He was clear to those charges, and the team wanted him there yesterday, and he wasn't there. And there's an opportunity. They've got a hole at that position right now. You know, they don't have an answer right now at that position. I mean, right now, your starting safeties are obviously Landon Collins, and you, I guess, you know, it's probably somebody like DeShazer Everett. I mean, they, they don't – who else – uh, JP and John Kime have both mentioned this guy, JoJo McIntosh, who they signed um, as, a, as an undrafted free agent. And they drafted the guy from Penn State last year in the fourth round that ran some, you know, like a ridiculous 40-time. But they don't um, – they, they, they need a safety. They need yeah, another they safety. Yeah. I was, I, I'm, I'm disappointed at that because I, I am – in thinking about this team, because you've asked me this question many times, like what, what? Try to get optimistic, and what would you be optimistic about? I'm optimistic that they've got some pretty damn good talent defensively. They just lost a real talent yesterday, and Reuben Foster. And despite all of the ways that it came about, the Reuben Foster thing came about. I was excited to watch him play. I mean, he can run. This team does not have and hasn't had enough team speed. And in the offseason, you know, adding if Reuben Foster had been healthy and then you add a Montez Sweat on, on the edge, you've added more talent and more speed and playmaking ability to that defense. And Monte Nicholson is another one of those guys. You put him on the field and you've got some some guy you got a guy that can run. 
So that's what I've been optimistic about. Like I, I still think they've got a chance to make a big jump defensively, but they lost a key piece or at least a, a potential key piece yesterday. And and who's going to play safety next to Landon Collins while he's you know circling six game, you know the two years two games a year for six years on his calendar? Yeah, and listen, the look he said. I still think the defense is going to be improved. I mean, if your defense is relying on the addition of an inside linebacker who uh, was cut by the team who drafted him, who did not grade out well last year when he played, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, if, if your defense you know, is ma- made or broken by that presence or absence, then you don't have a good defense. I mean, as as bad as this is, as exciting as it might have been to have watched him play, that defense should still take a step forward. They still should be good. Yeah. And by the way, you know, you know, I mean, it regressed significantly at the end of last year. Now you've got essentially the same D line coming back, the same inside linebacker, actually less at inside linebacker that you had than you had last year. The the big difference maker defensively could be Sweat. Yes. Could be Sweat on the outside. Um, but then you've lost Preston Smith. In his absence. Yep. But yeah. hopefully Sweat is more than Preston Smith. Yes. That's what you hope. Uh, and, you know, as far as your, your comment about the quarterback, y- the only thing I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read intently, like every single, you know, OTA day, training camp day, you just want to, to watch and listen to Jay Gruden when he's asked about the quarterback. And you want to hear some of the other players, but Gruden has a hard time. If, if he's not direct, there's certainly, more times than not, there's an implication there in the way he talks about um, his players and his quarterbacks. And he said yesterday about, um, about Keenum and Haskins, and really he was asked about both of them simultaneously. He said, you know, they've got to learn the system first, then go out and participate in practice and produce and make the right reads and throws. It's going to be a process. It's the very, very beginning, and we're installing plays for the first time for the group. Remember, they've got the two quarterbacks that are taking snaps weren't here last year right now. He said, we started a couple of weeks ago, but now we're actually going out and we're being able to practice against a defense for the first time, which is a whole other step. So it's a long process, and I think they both handled it well today. Hopefully we'll do better tomorrow and the next day and so on and so forth, and I'm sure it will be a good, lengthy competition with some great players going at it. Um, and, uh, you know, then he was asked a little bit later on, he said, I think we have to grade them based on production out here every day, talking about Keenum and Haskins. Every day is a new grade. Every day you see how they're developing, see how they're getting better, see how they're making some mistakes over and over again, but it's a process. This is the first time Dwayne has had a chance to call plays in a live huddle and go after a live defense, and this is the first time Case has had a chance to do that with the Redskins terminology. So we don't expect perfection on day one. But we do expect the guys to know what they're doing when we go out on the practice field, yada, yada, yada. So, And he says, lastly, the cream always rises to the top, and we're hoping that's the case here. So you just we'll get to training camp, and Cooley has said it, and, and Shanahan said this to me, and others have said this. We'll know in that first week of training camp who, is, who Jay feels okay. is capable of, yeah. of starting and, and giving him a chance to win. That's when we're going to know. But you can... You can read through what Jay has to say and 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 learn little things here and there. I think. I don't, uh, know. Yeah, I don't know what you're learning there, because you have to take into account that despite what you say, the quarterback that he really likes isn't available right now. 
<laughs> right? Yeah, I don't he know. Like, he likes him. I, like, you know he, he likes him. Colt McCoy. He loves him, but even even he admitted last year's or in the very off season. sometimes maybe I get a little bit, I'm paraphrasing, yeah. carried away yeah, with I'm, I'm what, sure he does. Colt. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. There's no doubt that he does. But uh, that guy's not, not available yet. Exactly. So he's not going to commit to anyone until his guy gets a chance to step on the field and compete. That is true. And if if it's obvious that he can't compete, I'm sure Jay isn't gonna isn't gonna carry water for him. I, I think what, what what will be more interesting is if it's obvious that both Keenum and Haskins can do it, then they may figure out a way to move on from Colt McCoy they may. before the season starts. They may. He has the, said he doesn't like to carry three. quarterbacks. I know that, but but you know it, it would serve them well to carry three quarterbacks. I guess. Uh, Alex Smith wasn't there yesterday, and there was all this talk um, about how Alex is going to be around the building and be there for Dwayne, to mentor Dwayne. He was in town last week. I know he was for his birthday celebration at Millie's over there on in, in Northwest, Spring Valley in Northwest. So I, he might be in town, but apparently he was not there yesterday. Okay, so w- w- I guess from all the, from all the uh, adoration and the Kool-Aid drinking for Dwayne Haskins, we could assume that Alex Smith will never play a down a quarterback for the Redskins again, right? Well, I don't know what the adoration you're talking about. I, I'm I'm assuming that if they hadn't drafted Dwayne Haskins, that Alex Smith is never going to play again. But the, but the, because of the injury, he's still got that contraption on his leg. Yeah. So my point is, no one is projecting anyone other than Dwayne Haskins to be the Redskins quarterback. Uh, if say, not, if say, not that, say that again. If not at the beginning of the year, in the middle of the year, or even next year. In other words, no one is looking at 2020. As an Alex Smith season? Yeah. Of course not. Okay, so he's never going to play quarterback for the Redskins again. No. Okay. No, but I don't think he's ever going to play quarterback for anybody he again. He may not. Yeah. You know, so let's stop pretending, I mean, out I, there. that, that oh, Bruce, has, Bruce, early in this process. Has, I think they're just trying to, you know, they're trying to, to, to avoid burying him publicly. <laughs> like, hey, he's done because it's a long rehab. He's clearly not going to be healthy enough to yeah, play in 2019. Yeah, but he's no dummy. He knows what's going Nobody knows better than him whether or not he's going to be able to play or not. He's figured it out. Yeah, I think that's true. A uh, quick word about Window Nation. Hey, it's Grillmeister Kevin here to tell you about Window Nation. I do like to grill. Uh, I'm pretty good at it, too. Um, you know, Aaron, you know how we know that? From all the barbecues we've been invited to at Kevin's house. Uh, right? Well, you know yes. what? Uh, maybe I'll have one for the show this summer. <laughs> we'll do it. But I doubt you'll come all the way down from Frederick for it. You'll have an excuse. Um, while you're firing up that grill this summer, Window Nation's ready to kick off summer with sizzling savings. Buy one, get one free. Yet yeah, Window Nation's absolute best offer is back. Only until May 31st, however. Buy one window, get the second free. Buy two, get two free. Buy four, get four free. There is no limit. Plus, you'll get 0% interest for five full years. And there's even more to this smoking hot deal. Call today and get that free in-home quote And that's what it is. It's a free in-home quote. They'll send somebody out the next day to give you an estimate. If you get that free in-home quote, you'll also get a pair of tickets to Hershey Park while supplies last. 
Wind Donation will come out to your home within 24 hours, and they'll come out seven days a week to provide you with exact pricing, not just an estimate. Backed by Wind Donation's A-plus Better Business Bureau rating, you're guaranteed the best value. Or they'll pay you $250. You've got to act fast. Wind Donation's sizzling savings ends the end of the month on May 31st. Call today, buy one window, get one free, there is no limit, plus get 0% interest for five years and bonus tickets to Hershey Park. Call today, 866-90NATION, or go to windownation.com and tell them that I told you to call. All right, let's bring in Jimmy Patsos, a good friend and, of course, a longtime coach at uh, multiple places, but everybody remembers him, of course, as a coach here with Gary Williams at the University of Maryland. Um, but Jimmy coached up until last year at Siena and was at Loyola before that. Joins us now. I, you know, I've just been thinking about you recently to get you on the show to talk about the Wizards, to talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, and I know you're intimately involved with Under Armour and a lot of the, that they're doing with, you know, NBA prospects. First of all, where are you today? It sounds like you're on a beach. Oh, I, if you can hear me, then I'll go inside here. I am uh, actually down in Puerto Rico. We have an underarmor coaches trip, and what we do is we are lucky to be around our, our national championship finalists, Chris Beard, Bruce Pearl, Mike Bray, Bob McKillop. And what you do is you try to every couple of years you get together, go over some basketball stuff, go over some you know shoe products, et cetera, and just bond as a family. You know, Under Armour Basketball this year had 17 teams go to the men's NCAA, 12 go to the women's. IMG won the national championship for high school basketball. And uh, Coach McClune, who used to coach at St. John's High School in Washington, yep. D.C., is at IMG. And AZ Fudd's on our, is on, our, is on, our, you know, on our list of players that we promote and sponsor. And what happens is basketball's gotten bigger. Of course, we were always in apparel, you know, company not to mention the great football schools that we were involved with. But sometimes the basketball coaches just have to get together and just remember what a family we are, and we're very lucky to be together. And you, you, you realize that Steph Curry, what he did last night, we have Joel Embiid, uh, we had Hami Diallo, who won the dunk contest, we have Will Barton, the Baltimore native who played for the Nuggets, and we have some great partnerships in basketball with different people. And that's, you know, that's where we're growing. That, that, that's our growth, growth for the future. So that's what we're doing down here. And uh, Gary Williams is leading the charge, our senior ambassador. Steve Sparrier came down. So it's a really interesting thing to hear the older coaches talk to the younger coaches, stuff, stuff like that. Well, Jimmy, if, if you can find some time to break away from all the basketball study while you're in Puerto Rico, here's something, here's something I recommend. You know the number one uh, spectator sport in Puerto Rico is cockfighting. Oh, I, I don't think I'm going to go to that uh, one. Uh, Jimmy, there's, there, there's an arena probably right down by your hotel there. I'm just telling you, I did a story about cockfighting in Puerto Rico about 15 years ago and got a tour from the commissioner of cockfighting, and it's the biggest thing on the island. So just if, if you find yourself at, at uh, 10 o'clock at night looking for something to do. <laughs> there, I mean, Tom, I've never doubt. That's why I've always read you and always loved you and always listened to you. You're definitely an interesting guy. <laughs> Baseball, I think it's Roberto Clemente and Orlando Cepeda. I mean, this is a... Um, Quite a baseball area, you know, and you forget they have Molina and Alex. Alex Cora is a big deal down here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the manager. The Red Sox last year. Yeah, the manager of the Red Sox. But you know what I found when I was there? Basketball is bigger in Puerto Rico than than baseball. 
Basketball's huge they, there. They do. They do love basketball. They've got a lot of good players coming yeah. through here. And, um, you know, they got an arena and they have the San Juan shootout, the Puerto Rico San Juan shootouts down here. So it's, it's an interesting take on life, and you just got to keep keep moving and keep learning. So what do we got going on on the Wizards front? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But I would assume that, you know, in in the absence of more likely than not attending a cockfight, you are probably playing some golf because Puerto Rico has some lovely golf courses uh, down there. And if, if I know Gary well enough, he's found a couple of them. Yeah, we had one. We had a we had a nice outing. I played with Aaron McKee, who's a great guy, um, the new Temple coach, who's going to do a wonderful job there, and took over for Fran Duffy, Matt Langle, who won at Colgate's here, uh, Kevin Willard, who went to the NCAA, and of course Mark Turgeon's great. Mark and his wife Ann, Kensington residents, as you know, the yep. Kensington Mafia over there. <laughs> yep, K Town. They're great. The K Town Mafia. K-Town. The K Town Mafia. So. You know, but you, you know they talk scheduling, and then we're all excited about the upcoming season. But I was just in Chicago, and so talk about whether you saw kids from Texas Tech playing to, you know, what the Auburn kids did. Bruno Fernando tested out of this world. He did. I was, he did. Bruno looked great. Um, he did not have to play, but he tested and interviewed, and he's going to go on his next two week journey to see where he. Lands. And a lot of that, you know, on June 20th is the draft, but a lot of that's going to get formulated in the next two weeks when guys go interview with other teams, et cetera. And it's, it's a really interesting process. And Chicago was well run. It's powered by Under Armour. You know, in other words, we love the combine. We have all the logos. All the kids get our gear and our sneakers. Our sneakers are fabulous. And with Curry doing so well and Embiid having a great year, it was an interesting time to be out there. But there was a lot of buzz about what's going on in Washington. And I'll tell you, Tommy Shepard, Ed Tapp, Scott. I saw Brett, their analytics guy. Scott Brooks was out there. And, of course, Frank Ross, their lead scout. And picking at nine, you know, they got some work to do. And I think they're going to get, you know, in other words, a lot of homework. Well, what do you think and happened think- with Connolly? I saw him out there. You know, how do you, it's tough to leave Denver. They have one of the best teams in the league. They're young. They're deep. I think I think the Denver community has really embraced the Nuggets, and I think Tim Connolly probably felt part of that. Like we're just starting to get this thing back. We're getting this thing going. Jokic is great. I love Murray. We have Will Barton as one of our players who says he loves playing there. You know, they got Millsap. They got a good team. Maybe he said it's just it's just I can't walk away right now when we're on the cusp of you know trying to challenge the Warriors. We all know the Warriors are the best team until somebody beats them. That's how it goes. I think the Bucks are the best team in the East, talent wise and depth wise. Kawhi Leonard's great, and then you have the Nuggets. I mean, I know that the Blazers beat them with their backcourt, but I think the Nuggets are in as good a shape as anybody going forward. It, it clearly tugged at his heart, not just basketball wise, but the city wise, and he couldn't leave because he. Grew up in Baltimore and worked for the Wizards, so you can't have a stronger pull than that. You think if the Wizards had gotten luckier in the lottery um, last week that it would have been more attractive for him if they had, say, had a top three pick? You know, that's a great question. Hey, if they got number one and they got Zion, I'm sure it would have been like, okay, let's go redo this. You know, but I, I do think the city of Denver and what they have in the future is enticing. However, you get John Morant, you get R.J. Barrett, you get Zion Williamson. That's those are the clear front runners. I really like DeAndre Hunter and Jared Culver. That's that's five. 
Cam Reddish, Kobe White. We're at six and seven. <laughs> We're starting to stretch here until what's going to happen after that. Uh, I, You're at nine, so yeah. I think you guys are on to something there. You know what, Jimmy, it just reminded me, when you first saw Zion this year, I think you saw him in the garden. I think that's where you went and saw him yes, play initially. Yes, yeah. And you were on with me, I think, uh, a couple of days later, and I remember specifically what you said because it was the first time I had heard anybody have any kind of you know, concern. And you said he's not as big in person you know, as you as he appears to be watching him on television, or do you think? Look, this was one of the more um, anticipated NBA lottery, and, and he'll be one of the most anticipated first overall picks in a long, long time. I mean, he's he's not only the consensus number one. There are people that think he will change the franchise that he goes to overnight. Do you do you feel that way about him? Oh, I absolutely do, and I think he's look. I'm from the old school. Can he be? Can he make our roster? Of course. Can he be a starter? Yes. Can he be an impact starter? Another one, impact starter. And then can he win playoff series? And then obviously be an all star. The all star part is the only part I'll hold back on Zion right now. But I think he's going to be an impact starter. In other words, if he goes to Pelicans, he's the second best player on his team, but not the first. But his enthusiasm, his energy. His intangibles, and I know over 82 games it's hard to stretch the intangibles out, but he does have a zest for playing. He is a willing passer. I thought Duke hurt themselves because he didn't touch the ball the last three minutes. That's why Michigan right. State beat him. But he's not 6'9". He's 6'6 six, six and a half, 6'7", and he's got a uh, 285. Is great. You know, hey, he can play at that weight at this age. Over time... And Kevin, you've seen it. Tom, you've been around. John John Williams was as good a player as I've seen growing up. When I used to go to with me and me and Mike Lonigan going out to Cap Center, watch them with the Bullets then play. John Hotplate Williams, you're talking about, of course. Yeah, I'm just saying. You know, ten pounds can really right. change a guy's game. He was he talented. Went ten pounds the other way. That guy was talented. He could handle the ball. He was right. a great, great player. Ten pounds the wrong way. You know how that goes. Tom does. Tom, I'm me and Tom are on the same diet. We know how ten pounds the other way. <laughs> ten pounds is a deck chair on the Queen Mary. Jimmy, do you like do you like John Morant more than you like Zion Williamson? Not for the Wizards because I think John Wall is going to come back. Just o- overall, I mean, because they're not going to have a shot at either one of them. But do you? No. Li- okay, so you like Zion Williamson more than any player in this draft? Uh, no, I think Morant's electrifying. He's a better Rajon Rondo, and he shot the ball so well against yeah. Marquette and then Florida State. R.J. Barrett's really intriguing because if he plays defense because he's long and could, he just doesn't just doesn't appear to be his favorite appetizer on the basketball court. When he, he can score the ball, that guy won the 18 and under for Canada. He beat John Calipari, and Kevin Herter was on that team. and He, he was the best player coming into the year. Zion passed him, and you know John Moran came out of nowhere. Darius Garland's an interesting guy because yeah. he was supposed to be—he was supposed to be John Moran. Yes, exactly. But we never had a chance to see him play because he got hurt in the opener. I think yeah, he played a couple. I think he might have played two games. Okay. So, anyways, yes, I do like John Moran, but I, you can't pass on Zion. And Zion, when the court's wide open, look, I saw him at Virginia. He was dominant. He was dominant in the stands. He was dominant in the community, and he was dominant on the court. 
that was the day I saw Michael Lewis and John Grisham speak, and they were talking. Their opening speak, they spoke that day. They had an open forum, and their their opening line was about how excited they were to see Duke and Zion play. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, he was truly a pop culture you know, phenomena. I think, you know, and I mentioned this the other day, I, I think he gave a jolt to the sport that the sport desperately needed. You know, it's one of my favorite sports always has been, but the popularity is, has been waning a little bit in recent years. And I think, you know, what he did on that team, you know, he became, he became must watch. Um, by the way, just while we're on this topic, because I, I'm very interested in the NBA draft and, and, and I, you know, I watch a lot of college hoops. I, I do think that Keldon Johnson would be there at nine for the Wizards. And to me, Jimmy, he looks like a big-time scorer at the next level. Very intriguing. I happened to go to Kentucky's practice this year. I saw them play twice in person at the SEC. So I went out on the road a lot. He's got the size. Look, they had a point guard. They had P.J. Washington. They had Tyler Hero. But Keldon Johnson, to me, he looked like the pro. You know, he's got right. a Terminator-type body. I'm not against that at all. You know, Rui Hachimura has a big upside. Brandon Clark is going to be a much more solid, athletic defender guy, defender player from Gonzaga. Keldon Johnson may have as big an upside as anybody in the draft. You're, you're Kevin, doing your homework. Highest marks, my friend. Um, the, the other guy on the opposite scale of athletic um, that I see being a 15-year pro and on winning teams – is Grant Williams. And I know that no one's projecting him in the top 10 or top 15, but to me, he he just looks like a winner and a guy that will be able to score, even though it won't be done with athleticism. I watched him at the Combine. He played. He's from Tennessee. If I was him, I'd go right to the NFL. <laughs> he looks just, he looks just yeah. like Julius Peppers out there to me. But not, not, with the ex, not with the explosiveness, though. No, and, and and remember, Julius Peppers was a small version, not small, big guy, but smaller version of Zion. And and to go back to what you talked about, there's a lot of buzz like, okay, the one and done's are coming, but, I mean, coming to an end. Look what Zion did for himself and for college basketball. Look, you know, look at how exciting Jared Culver and those guys. I think Grant Williams, now he's, he could have gone back and, he can play in the NBA. He's a little smaller than I thought, and he's a straight man. You know, I'm not sure he's as good as Lonnie Baxter, but he has that he has that girth and that ability to just disrupt the game with his size. Admiral Schofield did not play. I wanted to see him play, but Grant Williams really looks like he could be a starting defensive end, which would yeah. be an interesting concept. Yeah, he's just he's there's something about the way he plays. He, there's a toughness to him and a competitiveness oh, to super him. Super tough. Yeah, um, you know, super tough. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's what I saw. You know, Bobo as a mystery. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a buyer on Bobo. I don't. I don't think that one. Um, Nikhil Alexander Walker and Ty Jerome are the two. I would love to see them end up in Washington. Ty Jerome just has a flair about him. Yep, he's a great player. Um, the coaches down here, I'll talk about. Maybe he doesn't pack to pass the look test, but then all of a sudden he's six four. In bare feet, not shoes, which means he's 6'5 in shoes. Knows how to win. I hope the Wizards, but I don't know if it'll last till the early second round. I do believe the Wizards are going to buy a second round pick. And, you know, whether it's whether it's Troy Weaver or whether it's Danny Ferry, Tommy Shepard and his crew are working hard. I have a lot of faith in them, actually. Um, what do you think they should do, Kevin? I mean, do, do, do you think there's a chance they could 
What do, what's your thoughts on this, Tom? Uh, yeah, well, go, go oh, you're ahead, ask, Tommy. You're asking the wrong guy, Jimmy. I mean, you're you're talking to the tainted pool here. I mean, I think that uh, I think Denver's a cow town compared to Washington. I think the fact that he picked Denver over Washington uh, just shows the inability of the owner to close the deal. I mean, that's what that's, that's what an owner is. That's the only role that you want the owner to have is is at, to close the deal at the to convince the guy that this is where he should be, and they weren't able to do it. A couple of years ago, when uh, when Al Horford was on a free agent and went to Boston, and they weren't able to do it again, if they wanted to, if they really wanted to, and I'm not sure they did or not. So, uh, I mean, I, I have some very strong opinions about this. Okay, I mean, oh, hey, that's why we're in this business. We like to hear other people's opinions. Five years, Adam. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, so you it, see, he's a cow town. That's very interesting. You know, so, you so here, here's the thing, though, Jimmy, and I think you know this, and Tommy and I have talked about this before. The NBA is a sport in which if you don't have a top five player, you've got no shot of winning a title. No shot. You have to have a top five player. Now, some of these top five players, you know, come through the draft to the team that ends up having them on the team that ultimately, you know, contends for a title. And But a lot of times, you know, it, it's such a crapshoot, you're not even sure. I mean, Kawhi Leonard wasn't even drafted by San Antonio. He, it ended up, got, he got trade, traded, you know, post-draft to the Spurs, but no one envisioned him being a top five player. NBA people didn't. You okay, had, I might want to point out, had, Jimmy. Oh, oh God. Jimmy. Kevin. I, did, I didn't do that That I know that, that I, but you should. Kevin wanted the Wizards to draft Leonard. I remember it distinctly. Okay, but but beyond that, well, I wanted them to draft Steph Curry. You would have been correct. I wanted them to draft Steph Curry also um, and, and thought that that quick release that he would end up being a, a really good player and scorer. But you've you were got, correct. You've got to get a little bit lucky to a certain degree because – it doesn't matter who your GM is. I mean, maybe your GM can sort through and find the guy that's going to be a top five player. But more times than not, that top five player, look at Giannis. Look at Kawhi. Like, it's sort of lucky that they ended up with these players that ended up giving them, giving them a chance to contend well, for yeah, a title. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have to do your homework, and then you have to project where they're going to be. Once again, what's their size, weight, height, length? Can they shoot it? But where do you project them? How's their work ethic? Are they going to get better? And anyways, it's interesting you wanted Kawhi Leonard because I knew he was a great defensive player at San Diego State and Athletic, but I didn't. I didn't that's it. That's it. You were really I, I just. I, I always loved the guys with super long arms that competed because he was not only a great rebounder at San Diego State, he was a shot blocker, and you could see that he had the stroke. Like he wasn't a great shooter, but you could see it come off his fingertips with you know with some backspin with. You know, it, it, it wasn't a terrible stroke. But anyway, uh, I, we, we're, we're digressing here. Back to the Wizards for a moment. My point is, is I never thought Ernie was the worst GM in the history of the game like the fan base did. And I was fine that they eventually moved on from him. But, you know, and he didn't draft well. There's no doubt about that. And there was a sort of a, a, a very star, you know, uh, oriented system in terms of, you know, guys like Gilbert getting preferential treatment, et cetera, that probably was not healthy for an organization. But we've had a lot of great GMs pass on top five players. 
over the years. It's, 100%. It's, yes. that's, that's what I'm trying to learn this, this year. I've been in the Combine two years in a row. I like the Summer League. Troy Brown was a very solid pick. He's never going to be an impact starter. Well, who did you say? I, 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 I missed that. Troy Brown. Oh, oh Troy, Troy Brown. Brown yeah, the Wizards solid. pick. Yeah, okay, yeah. He was very, he's probably was more like the 2025th pick. So they moved up and took a solid pick. I think maybe they should do that again. If you think Nikhil Alexander-Walker can just compete, play for Tim, if you think Brandon Clark, I wouldn't roll the dice. It's funny because rolling the dice, sometimes you have to have a good team and say, okay, we can stash a guy for a year or two. Um, like Bobo. You know, Bradley Beard, Bradley Beard. Uh, yeah, Bobo's, he, that, that's He's a roll of the dice. That's a big role. Okay, yeah. that's a big role. Um because he didn't play, and there's some, you know, he's a frail, and can he really score it? But, like, Rui Hachimura, to me, is a little bit of a role. He's just all left-handed, but he's a really yep. good player. He, the Japanese market will go crazy, which is great. But can he really sustain it to play, to, to become Giannis Antetokounmpo? I'm not sure. Kawhi Leonard, just, that's why I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker. you got to watch him in person. He loves that play. That's why I love Kelvin Johnson. Yeah. He's a prototypical big two-guard that didn't get the ball much on a team with a lot of players that don't want to share the ball because they're all trying to make the NBA. Cam Reddish, my friend Chris Miller, really likes Cam Reddish. He thinks he's going to grow into the next level. But at nine, this is a tricky pick, and you'd have to buy a second-round pick. I think the Sixers have the 33rd, 34th, so they're going to try to buy one of theirs. This is where the Tim Conleys of the world can really help you. You know, did Ernie go to enough college games? None of my business. He was always nice to me. I know Tommy Shepard's a grinder. I know Tommy Shepard has a lot of the qualities Tim Conley has. We don't know what he was allowed to do in that draft room, but I see this guy working all over the country. I've seen him in a lot of games. Getting those second-round picks, getting those late firsts and turning them into something is definitely important because in a year, Wall's going to come back. I rate guys on a, on a, on a 0 through 100 system. John Wall was a 97, 98 when he came out. I think he's going to come back as a 90-91. That's, that, that's an A, by the way, folks. That's a starter. That's, 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 that's almost that's an impact starter, but that's not an all-star. I don't know if John Wall can go back to the all-star status he was. Maybe he loves the game more. Maybe he changes coming in into camp in complete and best shape of his life. John Wall's an awfully talented guy. He can really win. He's made the all-stars. He's won playoffs. So Beal, Troy Brown, going along with a, 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 an A John Wall, just not an A-plus John Wall, now you got some things you got to decide to do. I like Thomas Bryant, but this is an important draft. And next year is an important draft. And then signing that key free agent that's really good in the locker room. That's why I'm interested to see how the GM thing goes. I think it's a tough spot. I mean, I think is I'm sitting here listening to you speak, and I've been thinking about it the last 24 hours after Connolly turned it down. It's a tough job right now. It, it's first of all, if Beal makes one of these top three teams, and you've got to you you you've got to super max extend him. I mean, you're dead. You know, yeah. salary cap wise. <laughs> Um, it, it's it's tough right now because what you just said about Wall, it, you know, if Wall still comes back as a ninety ninety one player, that's fine. But John Wall needs his knees, his legs. He's got to play at a certain speed to be effective. Well, you know, he's not Dame Lillard in the half court. He's not gonna. No, no. So so it's 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 always been that way, and so there's a big question mark there too. But. Um, uh, before before we let you run, I, I, did you watch the Warriors last night? Have you been watching? What of course. So what do you, the number one question right now in the NBA is: Are they? Well, Tommy put it b- better. There are two questions, right? There is: Can they win the title without Durant? That's one question. Two is: Are they actually better off without him? 
those are two great questions, and they were discussed. I can't say what people were saying at Liberty. We, I love Curry. I think Curry's a fantastic competitor. I went to his camp. You should see him teach. He's like a coach out there. I think he will coach. You held him to zero. That that was a different year. That was a different, <laughs> different year. Bob Davis, Bob McKillop from Davidson's here too. He still always says, "Jimmy, I love you." With that asterisk. <laughs> Here's the thing: they're clearly playing. That that that's what I'm talking about. If John Wall can get his emotion and passion back, and I know a lot of that had to do with his health, he's pretty darn good. And Curry's showing you, and Clay Thompson's showing you, and Draymond Green's playing defense, and. You know, Lillard should have passed the ball a few times last night. Yep. He didn't. Hey, the league's about driving the ball like Ty Jerome did, kicking it out to DeAndre Hunter. Lillard all of a sudden wanted to be the hero, and that's where the Warriors' experience showed up. Do they need Durant? Of course they do. He's a great player, and, 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 and Milwaukee's really deep. You know, we'll see what happens with Milwaukee-Toronto. But they are playing with an enthusiasm. They're sharing the ball. They're, you know, Steph's just firing away, not worrying about firing away, and that's what you need shooters to do. Yep. You know, Bob McKillop from Davidson's here, and they were talking about how great he was because Bob gave him the confidence. As long as it was a decent shot, it didn't have to be a great shot, we want you to take it. Their enthusiasm, Ludi's been great off the bench all year. Jordan Bell's chipping in, but they have the, they have the best play. I've said this before. Curry, to me, is the best player in the NBA right now. But he's on the Mount Rushmore, of, I mean, of, of Denzel Washington. I like Kevin Durant. He's Morgan Freeman. He's a, he's a, he's a supporting actor on the other. He's, he's, he gets an Oscar, but it's the best supporting actor, okay? He doesn't want – he left Oklahoma City. He went to a team that had players, and he's a crucial piece. But Curry's leading that team right now. Giannis is leading his team. LeBron has clearly done it for years. And, and I, See, I picked Harden over Durant as, as, as my fourth guy. Because Harden does it night in and night out, wants the ball, competes, gets 50. And that those are the guys that want to be that guy. What they're doing is Curry's got the ball. Clay Thompson all of a sudden is, 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 is looking more like himself. And Draymond Green, I mean, everybody knows those two aren't exactly best friends. To them. But the, the pieces around them, and that's where we get back to the Wizards, you got to get the right five through eight. And you, and, 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 but you're, you just go back to what we said, and I'll leave you with this. This draft is important. Are we getting the number one player on a team or the number top ten player? Like you said, Kevin, one through five, probably not. But the Wizards could get a – they have to draft a guy who's going to be a solid starter because those guys matter. And with their cap room, and I hope they get a good second-round pick. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. But, you know, whether it's Alexander Walker, Virginia Tech, I love that – DeAndre Hunter wasn't there because he had some oral surgery. That's who I kind of wanted to see end up here at four, five, or six. But it doesn't look that way. <clears throat> So it's going to be an interesting situation, but I hope the I wish the Wizards well, and it makes it fun when they're good. And if they can fight through the year and find a way, and walk and come back and be an A player, you could be in business in the East. But it's going to be a it's a critical time. Look, it's it's final. We prepare for critical situations. We are in a critical situation at the Washington Wizards. Back to the Warriors for one second, though, because I want to get an answer from you, and I actually want you, without disclosing names, to give us just the general sentiment. Do you think the Warriors? Let's just assume Durant's not coming back. I mean, it's a it's a it's a calf. I mean, it's it's several weeks, even if it's a slight tear on on a calf. Let's assume he's not coming back for the finals. Will they win the title without him? They have to watch. I mean, Portland was pretty darn good, and they beat them. Now, you know, they're limited at the three four. Yes, I think the Warriors, but I think it's going to be a fantastic series, and someone's going to dethrone them. But now they're rested. The last thing you want from an older team is to be rested. 
and now they're going to be rested. Yes, I think the Warriors win it again. I think it's going to be they're going to they're going to close out the Oakland Coliseum, who have you know played there. Unfortunately, lost to Connecticut, but saw a couple yeah. great Grateful Dead shows there. And <laughs> they're, going close, they're going to close it out, Tom, and they're going to just say, "Here we go." And that's I think they win it. I do. So do most of – like, you're down there amongst, you know, some great-named coaches. This has got to be a conversation about the Warriors because essentially you implied that it was. Without uh, giving names, is the general sentiment that the Warriors are basically going to win the title without Durant, that they are they're, – they're that good even without him? They are. And remember, we're college coaches, so we're looking at the energy, the sharing, the enthusiasm, the accepting of roles – um, how the ball is moving, just, I mean, coming off the bench and high five, you have to look at that and say, that's impressive for pro guys. And I've said this before, and that's why I'm going to leave on this note. I love Bradley Beal. How he plays the game, he takes charges, he shares the ball, he guards the other team's best player, he passes when he's covered. When you watch it up close, and I learned a lot this year, but I'm seeing the enthusiasm of it. You know, they, when, when the Wizards went to, Den- to London and had a great win over the Knicks, and guys were cheering for each other and screaming off the bench. Hey, you're in a European team with with a lot of rings on your fingers, and they have found that they have found probably the only thing that could keep the Warriors from winning it was was would be as we call division from within. There's two things you worry about: division from within and your immediate opponent. Well, they look as tight. They look like a college team. That was the sentiment around here. You know, look yeah. at those guys. Look at look at the atmosphere within the team. And now they're producing, you know, of course, production matters. So they're producing, they have a great energy and great enthusiasm, and they have really great players. And this Draymond Green, I mean, don't be sleeping on him. And go back to what you said, Kevin. You're going to need, and Tom knows this, you're going to need Wall, you're going to need Beal, and you're going to need somebody else. They got Clay Thompson, Curry, and Draymond Green. That, that's, that's a pretty good threesome right there. So if it's Milwaukee, I, Brooke Lopez is learning to shoot threes. I love Chris Middleton. See, I want a Chris Middleton type of draft. A guy that's got a big upside, but he's still solid and can play defense, and he's 6'5 and fits in. Then when he really turns to shoot, he turns into a great player. But Lopez and Brogdon coming back, they're they're a good team, too. It's going to be very interesting. Kawhi Leonard and the the Raptors, I think they're like a player short, but Kawhi Leonard's the best player in the game. He's like carrying his team like LeBron. But I would take the Warriors. That would be my thing. I'll take the Warriors, and I can't wait to see you guys in person. All right, let's get together when you get back. By the way, because you've mentioned Bob McKillop, and we've talked about Steph Curry. If you haven't read it, and I, I, I talked about this last week after reading this story, but there was a really good story written on ESPN.com by this guy Tom Junod about the McKillop-Steph Curry relationship. And there's another story within the story that's really uh, compelling as well. Read it when you get a moment because you you you, uh, you, 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 you love that stuff that. i'm sorry saturday show in dc all right thanks jimmy so much thanks, thanks jimmy See you, Kevin. all right good to catch up with jimmy um you get uh you get a lot of stuff when you talk to jimmy patsos he is one of the most interesting people um super super bright such a good dude one of the greatest bartenders in the history of Georgetown at 3rd Edition, where I worked at the same time with him uh, back in the late 80s, Tommy, uh, very early 90s. But Jimmy's one of the best. And um, I, I, th- I think he made it pretty clear that he thinks the Warriors are just fine without Durant. I think a lot of basketball people 
feel that way. Yeah. But it's funny because I said this earlier. I'm watching this morning, and like Tibbs and some other coaches, like NBA guys, are like, "No, you need Durant to beat Milwaukee." And and I think part of that is people really are very very bullish on the Bucks right now. Like they think they're a really good team, and they are a really good team. But you heard what Jimmy said. Jimmy said that Kevin Durant is not one of the top four players take, in the league. I would not take Harden over Durant. He, he, he said he doesn't make Mount Rushmore. I know. He's I, a supporting actor. Yeah, I would not take Harden over Durant. I, I think Harden – I think playing basketball that way, I, 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 more times than not, you're better off playing the way the Warriors are playing right I now. I agree. I agree. But for coaches, seem, coaches like Jimmy, they seem to value the guts of the guy who's willing to take the shot. Steph Curry's unbelievable right now. He was unbelievable last night. So was Draymond again. I think Draymond Green's game three, the the game that they won the other day, um, was perhaps one of the top five performances of these playoffs yeah. so far. Um, and last night, he you know, last night, by the way, we didn't mention this. Only the it was the first time in NBA playoff history that two players on the same team went for a triple-double in the same game. Curry last night, because I don't think we went through this, he had 37 points, 11 assists, 13 rebounds. Or 13 rebounds for Steph, who, by the way, will rebound. We've seen that over the years. And Green was 18 points, 11 assists, 14 rebounds, and had the huge dagger three uh, in overtime to give him the four-point lead, which they you know, ended up winning by two. It, Portland had one last effort. I, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not. It was a terrible shot that they got with, you know, with Dame Lillard falling away deep in the corner on a three to win it. It just was not a great shot. They had 3.3 seconds um, left on that one. But that's the first time. I was actually surprised at that. Yeah, so am I. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same way I felt about the Game 7 buzzer beater by Kawhi last week. Yeah. That that was the first time ever that we had a Game 7 buzzer beater. And when I saw that last night, I'm like, I was thinking to myself, God, I, I would have figured that, you know, even OKC in recent years had at least one game in the postseason where it was Westbrook and either Harden or Durant or even Paul George here, you know, th this It's year. hard to believe. So this was the first time ever? Ever, where you had two players, I mean, it's hard same to believe team, triple-double. With McHale, Bird, Parrish, none of those guys. But remember, like, you know... Uh, other than, like, the big O obviously set the triple-double yeah. standard. And then it, was, it wasn't until Magic came around that we got back into, you know, the significance of the triple-double. My, my sense of it is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that because before Magic, after the big O, and then Magic comes around, players weren't regularly putting up triple-doubles in the 70s and, and, and until Magic got there. I guess not. They you must know? not have no. been. Because look, it even from Magic's stretch through Westbrook, I mean, no one had averaged anywhere near a triple double until Westbrook did it. Yeah. Be, you know, going back to the Big O, yeah, that was it. I mean, we Magic never averaged a triple double. No, and Magic to me, I would you know, I, well, you and I feel the same way about yeah. this. That Magic is our is our number one. But last night, um, first time in NBA history, two players. With a triple double, uh, Curry was hitting bombs too last night. I mean, some of those threes were amazing. Uh, I thought Portland was bad defensively too last night. Um, 
All right, quick word uh, on two things. One, launch workplaces. If you live in the Bethesda area and you're looking for new office space, consider launch workplaces in Bethesda. Now, they have other locations around town. You can find out where all of those are at launchworkplaces.com. But in Bethesda, they've got a brand new, beautiful space with fully furnished offices, conference rooms, and co-working desks. So if you need an office, they've got that. If you just need a desk a few days a week, they have that as well. High-speed internet, a cafe, free parking, and plenty of it, and 24-7 access. Get more work done today by moving your office to launch workplaces. You can call today for an exclusive free two-day trial, 240-800-6714, or go to launchworkplaces.com today. That's 240-800-6714, or launchworkplaces.com. Also, um, just as a reminder, rate us uh, if you haven't and review us on iTunes. Uh, people were asking me about that. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of great reviews and ratings, and it's much appreciated. And for the first three months of the podcast, when all of you were rating it and reviewing it, it got us ranked very high, top five, top three, I think, at one point, which was awesome. Um, but if you haven't rated and reviewed uh, the podcast on iTunes, if you can do that, that would be great. It'll take you literally two seconds. Also, subscribe uh, on iTunes and any other place that you can subscribe. It doesn't cost you anything, but it helps us. Um, and uh, as mentioned, and I mention this all the time, but honestly, if you know people that want to listen to this podcast, but can't figure out how to get it on their phone, just tell them to go to the com. Uh, I wanted to mention before we got to a few more things sports-related that your event last week was really, really good. I I was so – I know I've said this to you in the past, but the fact that Dave Martinez would come from a game to to show up for your event really says a lot about you. And Mike Rizzo was there too, and I spent some time with him. But that's really – that's a testament to the way they feel about you. I guess so. You know, (laughs) I had a couple of people walk up to me after it. And say to me, this is the greatest event I've ever been to. And I'm sitting there, and I don't know why. It's nothing, it's not, it's just a bunch of guys you see, you, you were overwhelmed the other night, it seemed like. Well, I had a lot. You, I had a lot, lot, to, lot do. to do. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot to do, uh, particularly running the auction and figuring out who bought what. Right. And, and keeping track of all that. Did you keep track of what I got? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I, I wrote that down. You were very generous. Well, I the one thing that I, uh, I've done at your event, and I think in part because obviously I want to participate, but some of those tickets to that Delta Sky you know, yes. section at Nats Park can be a pretty good deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I, we, I've always enjoyed that. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, I just, you know, there's nothing special that we put into it. It's just a, a casual event with a bunch of guys drinking, smoking cigars, and talking all kinds of stuff. And, you know, uh, the, the, the best moment, one of the best moments for me was uh, Bob McDonald, uh, who sings the National Anthem Caps before games. Caps games, came up to me before the event and he said, look, why don't I donate – I get two Caps tickets for a game. Why don't I donate my two Caps tickets? I'll give them a tour of the arena before the game. And during the National Anthem, when I sing it on the ice, they can stand in the uh, penalty box right there on the ice. And I said, that's a brilliant idea. Yeah. So we put it up for auction, and Mike Rizzo is bidding for it, and there are a bunch of other people bidding for it. But Mike is up to like uh, 
you know, eight hundred dollars. And uh, Chris Spira, the great auctioneer for for us from the DC Grace, says going once, going twice, and from the back of the room, Dave Martinez yells one thousand dollars. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was he was he was very generous. Mike yes. Rizzo was really into it. It was, but people really got into it, yeah. and uh, every year, but particularly this year, I'm just kind of amazed at the reaction that it gets because it's not. There's nothing particularly special about it. Well, I mean, again, that's why I think it's about you. And I'm being serious. I mean, why would Dave Martinez or Mike Rizzo, I know it's for a good cause that's baseball related. I understand that. But Mike Rizzo is there because it's you. I mean, you could be there for some sort of, uh, you know, non-sports related uh, charity event. And he would show up if you asked him to show up. Um but it is. I mean, it was. It was a very. It was a nice night the other night. It really. Yeah. Was. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for your um, support. Uh, so I appreciate it, and I'll be expecting the check any day. Now. <laughs> you know what? I forgot my checkbook today, but um, I will, of course. Uh, of course, I, you will. No, you've always been very generous in your support of. of okay. Of this. Stop. Um, enough of that. So, um, real quickly though, off of the conversation with Jimmy, I mean, is this going to be another situation where you know? A, a team in town has a difficult time hiring somebody for an important job. Well, it, it's really an unattractive job. It's unattractive, right? It's unattractive, not not for the reasons that we would think that you know it should be attractive. Like it's a good city. It's a ba- there's a lot of basketball interest here. It's the current state of the franchise yeah. with Wall and then potentially a super max deal for Beal. Yeah, I mean, and they, the ninth pick uh, instead you're, of the third it, or fourth. It's, it's a trifecta of pain. The ninth pick in the draft, you know, in, instead of, like you said, the third or fourth, you're going to have to confront the John Wall situation. And you know the behind-the-scenes stuff that's gone on about John Wall already if you're a GM candidate right. in this town. Uh, so you're, you're, You want to you just describe for those that are just sitting there okay. saying, tell us what the behind-the-scenes well, stuff the, is. He, John Wall, uh, particularly this year, uh, at the beginning of the year until he got hurt, uh, had some difficulties uh, dealing with his coach to the point where he basically confronted him in practice, said he wasn't going to do what they wanted him to do, and it got pretty ugly uh, at practice. And they and basically he was sent home, you know. Uh, and there have been situations like that in, in the past. And that now now he's now he's coming back damaged goods. When he does come back, let me let me add to that. Um, there have been disappointments with him in the past uh, with the condition that he's reported to. Yes, uh, early in terms of his physical conditioning at the beginning of seasons, some of which they believe has led to injuries. Um, and that you know, here's the great thing about John Wall: he means well, and he's not a problem like off the court. Like he's not getting in trouble or any of that. But he's not been the easiest guy necessarily to deal with with respect to coaches by the way now two of them randy and scott brooks yes um and teammates as well not always the easiest to deal with. not at all and so that's the second the the, the damaged goods thing now you know jimmy sort of uh, alluded to it but maybe there is this I got to evolve. I've got to mature. I'm, you know, now I don't have what I had physically anymore. If that ends up being the case, but it may be too late. Could be now. And the third part of this is, you may have to trade the team's best player, Bradley Beal. You may have to come in here as a general manager, work some magic to get a ninth draft pick that can contribute. 
try to figure out a way to nurse John Wall back on the court, uh, not next year, but maybe the year after, and trade the team's best player. Okay, that's 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 a that's a tough hole to dig out of right from the start. Five years, any general manager should ask for eight years for a deal with the Wizards. Look, I'm going to say this about Beal. I've said it before in the past. I'm going to say it again now just so um, I, I'm on record with you saying this. I think Beal's a really good NBA scorer. I think he's a really good number two. He's not a number one guy. You're not going to win or contend if Beal is the best player on your team. I I do not think that you get consistent enough uh, effort defensively. I think he is still prone, as John was, to these, you know, these casual ball handling turnovers that just drive me crazy. Beal's never been a great ball handler. He wasn't coming out of Florida, and he's never been a great ball handler at the pro level. Good enough. Good enough to be, yes, a true, legit, upper-tier scorer. He's not elite, okay, in terms of the elite scorers, okay? He's not James Harden. He's not Steph Curry. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not LeBron. He's not, you know, he's not Dame Le- He's not McCollum. I would take McCollum over Beal. So I personally think that they should explore, especially if he's eligible for that Supermax, because I just don't know that I'd give it to him. I would explore what you could get back for Beal. Like if you could get back a top three or four pick, if you could I think they've got to. You know, I think I think it's something they've got to explore. And I, I don't dislike Bradley Beal. I like him as a player. So I just do don't I. I just don't love him as I a agree, player. I agree with all that. So, I like him as a player. Uh I think I think he's a valuable part of the team, but he is not the the top five player that you talk no, about. No, you you have to. The really you should as a general manager at the NBA level or as an owner at the NBA level, you should really basically start over from scratch if you have determined that you don't have a potential top five player on your roster because you're not going to contend without one. You just aren't. So the Wizards don't have one. They haven't had one, by the way. Even with Wall and Beal both completely healthy and within a whisker of going to the Eastern Conference Finals on two different occasions with both of those players playing well. Against Atlanta when John got hurt, okay, when they had a chance, to, they were up in the series and they had a chance to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals where they were not going to win the Eastern no. Conference Finals, just like if they had beaten Boston. They weren't going to beat LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. But it would have been finals, progress. But it would have been progress, but they weren't going to contend for a title. They were going to be with Beal. If, if Beal and Wall had stayed healthy and everything was great and they grew and they got better and better, neither one of them was ever going to be a top five player. They weren't. John Wall was borderline top 10 player, right in that 10 to 15 area. He was not a top five player, hasn't been. Beal's not a top five player, not a future top five player. So if you don't have one, you got to figure out a way to go get one. Or you just have to admit, we'd be pleased with going to the playoffs every year and having the chance to win a series or two, which is the best it got with the two of them. Yeah, which basically means that Ted Leonsis gets to cash a couple of payroll checks from his attendance at, at the arena. Let me tell you something. We both know this. He's told us this. It is a big difference for teams like the Wizards in the NBA yes. between making the playoffs and not making the playoffs yes. from a from a P&L standpoint. Absolutely. Um, a couple. Uh, we didn't talk about the Nats. They lost last night, five to three. They're now nine games out because the Phillies are all of a sudden really rolling. Yeah. Um, in the National League East, and 
they, you know, they've gotten Trey Turner back. You know, he's back now. Um, last night there was the, uh, you know, they they cut it to four to three. I actually was flipping it around between the basketball and that, and watching some of that. Um, and they actually got their first two runners on in the top of the ninth and couldn't get any of them home, and and they lose again. This, I know it's still early because they play a lot of games, but at this point. They've got the second worst record in the National League. Do you really have any optimism that something much better is coming? Like they they can contend this year. They can make a run back into contention. Maybe not get there, but that you know we're going to be in late August and early September, and they're going to have a chance. I can't sell that to you. I I don't I don't have that kind of optimism. Here's why. And I wrote a column about this in the Washington Times. You can read my columns at WashingtonTimes.com/sports. Uh, they just called up T- Tanner Rainey from uh, AAA Fresno. That's the 18th pitcher that they've used Jesus this year, God. and the season's only two months old. They used 30 pitchers last year too, and that's the that ties the record for the most they've ever used in a season. They may exceed that this year. Uh, so it's basically a revolving door of trying to find guys who can first stay healthy and then B get guys get batters out. Uh, it, it reminds me, and, and Mike Rizzo talked about this when he was on 106.7 The Fan. He said this is the worst they played since they had the old, since they had the low, lousy rosters of 2009, 2008, the expansion uh, level rosters he right. talked about. And he's right. This is just like in 2007, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but at spring training, the Nationals basically held a pitching tryout. They invited 38 pitchers to training camp. I don't remember this. And basically what they were hoping is out of 38 pitchers, they'd find 10 or 11 to put together a roster. Uh, now, you can, as ridiculous as that may have been, you could afford to do that in spring training. Now they find themselves doing that with the bullpen in the middle of the season. They're basically uh, pulling guys in off the street to see if they can throw and and then and then they sign them and then they ship them out like Dan Jennings, who was signed, tried out here, pitched here a little bit, and now has been designated for assignment. That's a rough thing to come back from. I mean, to basically this is I mean, unless Mike Rizzo can pull that rabbit out of his hat like he did in two thousand seventeen when they traded for Kinsler uh and Madsen and Doolittle. But that was in July. Yeah. We were in May. We're a long way from July. You know, that, that's, that's a lot of water to tread until you can make a, a trade d- deal to strengthen your roster. So while I think they'll be better and they could wind up similar to what they were last year, maybe an 82-83 win team, I don't ha- I'm not very optimistic that they'll compete for the division title this year. And that's the only way you go to the playoffs in the NL East. Because the wild card's not coming from there. No, it doesn't appear to be. Aaron, did you watch a game last night? Uh, I didn't. I was following on Game Tracker, but did not. Uh, because watch it. Uh, there was just one thing um, th- that I meant to mention before we got into that was so they had runners on first and second when um, when Turner grounded into a fielder's choice. So he's sitting on first with a runner on third. They're down five three. All right, um, and and they're two outs at this point. Eaton's up now. 
FP's talking about Turner's got to go. He's got to get to second. He's got to get into scoring position. Um, he's got the speed. This is going to be, right. a, you know, the, the, the fastest, the, the pitcher, fastest base runner. The, the pitcher Diaz, you know, was a is little he bit. A left at, he's he, a lefty? No, he was a righty, but okay. he was a little bit slow getting to the plate. So FP's like, you know, all over this. He's like, Turner's got to, you know, he's got to go. So um, Eaton takes the first pitch. It's it's a ball. And then on a 1-0 count, Turner's running. And Eaton swings at it and flies out. And Rendon, by the way, is on deck, and he he he's been he started he he did, he had a good game last night. Yeah. He was two for three or two for two, something like that, with a couple of walks. But anyway, um, why is Eaton swinging on that? That's a good question. I mean, I, first of all, if he gets to second, if if Turner steals in that spot, there's the possibility they may, especially if it's a two zero count, they may walk Eaton. Maybe not to get to Rendon, but with first base open, they may walk Eaton and you get Rendon to the plate. You know, that's a good I, question. So, uh, we I could be wrong. I'm just throwing it out no, there because no, no. I thought we, that in the I, moment last I, I, night. I don't and, know if anyone asked Dave Martinez about that. We don't know if it was a hit and run. Uh, well, it didn't. It may have been a hit and run. But we, but, FP did not seem but it to prob- think it was I don't think it was. It doesn't run. sound like it would have been a hit and run situation there. Uh, but I find it hard to believe that Adam Eaton would just swing the bat in a situation like that. It sounds like somebody's signals got crossed there. Uh, and what just happened too much with this team. Yep, it has. Um, did you see what Magic said yesterday on, was it first take that he went off? Yeah, I think it was first take. Um, he really ripped into um, Rob Palenka and and just sort of the dysfunction and the dis- disorganized way in which the, the organization's being run. But he really said... He, he called Rob Polinka backstabber, and really went after this the the organization, the, the Laker organization, and, and I don't know. Like to me, Magic's above all this. I, I don't. He may be right about all of his criticism, and he sort of went out of his way to say, you know, Jeannie's hearing from so many different people, and some people on the business side about basketball stuff, and from the basketball side about business stuff. It needs to be, and and she's got too many voices in her head. And and she, he loves Jeannie Bus, right? I mean, I think that I, relation, I, I think that relationship is is very tight. But he went after, you know, a, a lot of other people in the organization, and, and you can we could go through it detail by detail. But I don't want to do that because I just want to say that to me, Magic's above all this. Like I don't think he should have left without telling his. Without telling Jeannie Bus, hey, I'm I'm leaving. You know, he he did it via social media. Um, it, it, he, he caught everybody in the organization off guard, and people say, "Well, it's magic; he can do what he wants." But it, it wasn't very professional the way he left. And then yesterday wasn't very professional for someone like Magic. He may be totally right about everything he said in his criticism of the organization and calling, you know, Rob Palenka in particular a backstabber. Um, but it just. I don't like to see magic in that light. Like I just think he is above that. He's been we he's one of the greatest, you could argue the greatest in the history of the game. He's been unbelievably successful as a business person. He doesn't need all this. He was he's clearly upset about it and and emotional about it. But to go and air your grievances the way he did publicly just I, I, I wish he hadn't done it because I'm such a big Magic fan. Well, first of all, I think he's hardly innocent in this. And I think that's why he's... That's probably true. I think that's why he's going public like that is because I, I, I think he... 
I mean, he did not do the work required for, to, for that job. And if he has a special relationship with Gene, Jeannie Buss, his is the voice that, that should have been heard. That's on magic as much as anything. And I guarantee, and there's a little bit of sexism there. You know, I don't think he'd ever say that about Jerry Buss. He has too many voices in his head. I, I'm, th- that was a paraphrased okay, but quote. Still. I mean, I, I, I watched it, and I can't remember specifically what the quote okay. was. But he, he essentially said there, there's too many p- people from, you know, Rob Palenka and, and Tim Harris, the business operations president. They're all, you know, giving her basketball ideas. And that was what Magic was supposed to have total control over. Yeah. Well, and then if he didn't have the influence to, he exert- wanted to fire Luke Walton, and okay. essentially they talked her into not making the move that Magic wanted to make. Look, the bottom line is, if they had traded for Anthony Davis, he'd still be there. Yeah, seriously, if they had pulled off the trade for for Anthony Davis, I think Magic would still be there. Yeah, but again, I I I, I think to me, and I talked about this when he resigned. Uh, I think this calls in the question really. How how great a businessman he really is. We talked I mean, about that. Before, I mean, yeah. I, 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 don't know. I I think that uh, his business success, uh, based on the way he acted in this Lakers thing, uh, you have to call into question how much he's responsible for that success and how much other people were responsible for promoting Magic Johnson's name to have business success. That's all. Yeah, I I don't I don't know. I, I have no idea whether or not Magic has been it makes me involved, suspect. you know, in the details or, you know, I think they've, I think Magic's been out selling all of that stuff. I think he's been, I, I actually, I don't even know that. Um, so I'm not going to speculate. I, I just think that Magic's now, you know, abruptly resigned without telling anybody and then goes public yesterday airing, you know, all of these problems and grievances he has with people in the organization and he's probably blindsided a lot of you know people that felt you know felt differently about him than they do now. Did you you got that sneeze out? You, yeah, the, I did. boy, the pollen's bothering you. It's, huh? it's it's pretty bad today. I mean, my car, I I washed it, and 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 the next morning I come out and it, it's just caked it with pollen. It's pretty bad, but it's not bothering you that much, huh? Uh, the tree pollen is what bothers me, and that's done. The grass pollen, not as much. That's what's out right now. By the way, I was just thinking about this, too, as it relates to Magic. Magic got Paul Westhead fired, right? Yeah. And got Pat Riley hired. I mean, that's not an unusual occurrence with a star player, right. necessarily. But it, early in his career, he he certainly made his opinions about various people in the organization yes, pretty did. clear. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I just prefer high road when it comes to somebody like magic. Cause I don't think there's any, any gain in, in taking, uh, the other roads. Um, there were a couple of other things real quickly that I wanted to mention. Number one is that the Michigan job is st- still available. And apparently now one of the front runners, um, for the job is Ed Cooley, the Providence coach. First of all, I hope Michigan makes the wrong hire because they're in the Big Ten, and I don't want. Uh, they've already had to compete with John Beeline, one of the best, I think, in this sport. Um, but I would hope that they would misstep in their hiring of a coach. But Ed Cooley has always been one of those coaches that I have loved. Uh-huh. I just think he can flat out X and O it with the best of them. Those Providence teams that have gone to the tournament a lot, I think they missed the tournament this year, but I think they had gone three or four years in a row, were always overachieving teams. 
Um, he coached at BC with Al Skinner, who was always one of my favorite coaches too. I thought Al Skinner was incredibly underrated when he was the head coach at BC. And by the way, BC's basically done nothing. Since I agree with you since on Al Skinner. Um, but I, it would be for a guy who apparently is a you know a, a, a New England guy, you know Rhode Island kind of New England kind of a guy. It would be a big move to go to the Midwest, but it would be an upgrade. You know, Providence, the Big East is not what it used to be. No. Providence is a, is a basketball school, but going to Michigan, I'm sure, would come with a bigger salary and a bigger opportunity. But um, they, if Michigan is smart, I think Juwan Howard's in the mix. I think um, there are a couple of other people, including some of the assistants. They should hire Ed Cooley. He's a great basketball coach. F- um, uh, Fox, uh, it wasn't Fox. It may have been CBS Sports Network mic'd up coaches in a Big East game, and it was Providence against Seton Hall, I think, last year or the year before. And I watched that because they had the coaches mic'd up for the entire game, and you got to hear everything inside the huddle. That dude can just – he can coach. He's the guy, by the way, if you don't know, he's the guy that's got that sort of discolored spot on his head, you know, the hair. Um, He can coach. Love Ed Cooley, and Michigan should hire him. Um the the bills are going to issue out for the first time since 1977. They're going to make number 32 available. That's OJ Simpson's jersey. Wow. I'm surprised that they haven't made it available more recently. You know, like in the last 20 years. Maybe they didn't want the no- notoriety. Maybe maybe not. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, there's no good publicity for for doing it. And I guess finally they just figured what what the hell let's do it. Um, At least it's not his his prison number. I I wonder what kind of because you know the Bills have a passionate fan base. It is a passionate oh, yeah. fan base in Western New York. Look, they throw each other through tables in the parking lot. I, I wonder what their fan base thinks about O.J. Simpson's jersey. He's the greatest Bill in the history of the organization. I mean, Jim Kelly. It's it's the juice. Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, and Marv Levy. And Marv Levy, but OJ was the first. Yeah, I mean they didn't win, and they no, didn't get to the Super true. Bowl. That's not true. Who was the first? They won Jack a- Kemp? AFL championships with Jack, with Jack Kemp? Kemp at quarterback okay. in the sixties. See, I remembered that. That was pretty good. Yeah, it was. Um, but you know, we we just went through a completely different conversation about the Joe Theismann number seven. Yeah. Um, and Joe's f- far from what OJ was in his prime. But OJ, the team made OJ this. was a superstar of the highest level yes. in sports. Yes. If you don't know OJ Simpson as a football player, he was the greatest running back in the game, and he was a pop culture superstar in the 70s. Commercial movies, commercials, movies, the broadcasting. Whole, all of it. But he was a great running back, too. Yes. A great pro running back. The first guy to get to 2,000 yards for, in a season. Yep. 19, in a 14-game season. 14-game schedule. 1973. Yeah. Uh, he got to 2,000 yards. Um, right? 1973 or was it 72? One of those. 73, two. I believe. Uh, on a cold day against the Jets in Shea Stadium, right? Yeah. Wasn't that where he set the record? Um, lastly, uh, I, well, actually, two more things. Did Have you had a conversation on radio um, or with Chad about the Redskins being the favorite for hard knocks? No, I have not. I have not talked to anyone about this. Would you like to see that happen? Of course I would. (laughs) Wouldn't you? Yes, I would. Of course I would. But I cautioned all of the gullibles gullibles in the fan base and media. Um, You're not going to get 
the real story. They're going to have the ability to paint the picture that they want to paint in this right. thing. And I suggested that you're going to you're going to hear a lot of Jay Gruden and Rob Ryan and Jim Tomsula, the entertaining guys, and you're going to see a lot of Doug Williams, a lot of Josh Norman, a lot of Josh Norman, but a lot of Doug Williams making decisions. Yes, you know they're going to p- put Doug out there. And my guess is you won't see Dan Snyder once. No. And you'll see very little of Bruce Allen. I don't know about that. I think you might see some of Bruce. I think Bruce is, Bruce has been sort of reveling in, in the notion that these Redskins are doing everything right. Oh, they are. They, there's a lot of self-congratulating yes, going there on. Is. Although yesterday was a, a tough blow. Yes. Um. The other thing too, and I didn't mention this to you last week. Did you know that I had Vinny Serrato on the show? Yeah, we talked about. Oh, it. Oh, we did. Okay, I yeah. forgot if I had told you. Yeah, that we or not. talked about it. Um. Lastly, um. I'm surprised that you could go on, and do the podcast today. I mean, have you recovered from the final uh, Game of Thrones episode? Because I don't know much about it. But from what I've read on social media and stuff, yeah. people want to lynch up the uh, cre- the creators of the show. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine just somebody sitting around thinking to themselves that they could create a petition to have a whole season redone? <laughs> like, uh, people are dumb. I um I told Aaron this before the show. I watched it again um, late, late last night. I loved it even more. I loved the finale. Still lots of issues with various things, but the people that say that they didn't like it, it's a subjective thing. I really liked it in multiple scenes. I went back and watched again and again. I thought it actually was well done. Have you watched it a second time, Aaron, or not? I have not. Okay. So, so you, you watched it late at night. How late at night? Last night, well, after the game in the post game. Was stuff. everybody asleep in, oh, yeah. in your house? Uh, yes, everybody was asleep. So what were you wearing? Was I wearing? <laughs> To yeah. get dressed up for it. Yeah. I mean, did, did you wait till everyone went to bed to yeah. bring out a special my, costume? My, my, my White Walker costume? Yeah. I mean, I figure for the uh, season finale. Okay. Uh, that's that's enough of that. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it, and I didn't get Well, if you enjoyed that, then make sure you listen to me and Andy Pollan Saturday and Sunday mornings from 9 to noon on 106.7 The Fan. But you'll be back here before you do that. Yes. Um, but is tomorrow your day with Chad? Yes, tomorrow I'm on with okay. Chad from 4 to 6. Every day. WJFK 106.7. Every day FM. I'm on the radio is a game of thrones. <laughs> I know it is. Uh, a lot of death and a lot of carnage and fire. and Yes. And pretty women, too, which is great <laughs> on your show. Uh, tonight, Toronto's getting three. They were favored the other night at home and won the game. And tonight, they're getting three. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard's health is a big issue in the game tonight. Uh, I would think that, uh, again, not to beat a dead horse, I'm really rooting for Toronto. They're the one team I'm really rooting for. I would take Milwaukee tonight and lay the three. I did have Portland last night plus the two and pushed, Aaron. We didn't talk about that on the show yesterday. I played them last night plus the two and, and pushed. If you force me to play tonight, not a smell test pick, but I would probably lay the three and expect Milwaukee to win the next two games and win the series in five. That's what I'm expecting. I hope for something else. Do you have anything else for us? No, no. I'm ready for my OTA, buddy. No, I. you, you know what? You show up for your OTAs. <laughs> I mean, they're voluntary, but you, you're still there for all of them because you want to win. Uh, thanks to Jimmy Patsos. I always enjoy, we always enjoy um, talking with Jimmy. Thanks to Aaron. Have a great day.